now, say now, you're tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncey. I am here in the beautiful city of Portland, Oregon. You might be able to hear a little bit of feedback through the phone. Our man Spencer is joining us through the phone, man. He's 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 got to stay. He's got to keep us away from him right now. He's got the cooties right now. I got cooties, man, but it's all good because we keep it momentum like the Momentum Studios. We'll keep rocking. On the wake up and win pod, I'm always with you, baby. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Indeed, feel better. He's got the COVID cooties right now, so obviously he's got to uh, isolate. He's got to stay away from the world for a little bit. So make sure y'all send Spencer your well wishes and and, and wishing him bad, a healthy recovery. Yeah, I appreciate that, bro. Like I said, it's not bad, man. I feel I feel all right. You know, it's the vaccine is a good thing. So so I'm feeling good about that. But uh, I'm ready for some wind shares today. Win shares. Win shares. All right. 626. We will be back at the Bible Club DJing. So pull up to that. It'll be from 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. So make sure you come check us out there. Also, make sure you purchase your Street Roots newspaper from a local vendor. That's really about it. The other win shares I don't really need to announce because it's I, I'm DJing again, but it's a private event. So I ain't telling y'all about that. It's, it's none of y'all's business. What is y'all's business? What's all of our business right now is the NBA final. Spencer, I'm coming to I'm coming to you early. How you feeling about it so far? Well, I think we had a conversation yesterday about the, you know, the the importance of the game 3 that just happened last night. Uh obviously, it's a pivotal game especially when you're not at a 1-1. I thought that um, based on matchup, I think everything went exactly the way that I thought it was gonna, except for the fact that I think Jalen Brown might be, might have actually, I think we can say definitively he has stepped it up. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's done what he, he's done what he's needed to do for this last few playoff pushes that, that Boston has had that they, that he, that he wasn't able to do before to get them over the hump. And, Bro, I think Boston looks legitimately formidable and scary. And I'm not, I mean, I don't really know. My confidence of, of Golden State winning this one are much less than what they were, say, yesterday even. Right. No, no, I, I mean, I, I agree that obviously, you know, I, I saw a stat that said uh, when teams are tied one-to-one, whoever wins game three, I think, wins over 80% of those NBA final series. It might've been playoff series, but I know for sure it was NBA final series, I think. Um, but, but obviously, you know, game three was pivotal. I think going into it, it was pivotal, but I do think the goal is still the same for the Warriors. And that is, you just got to get one of them on the road. Now, obviously you go down three, one, you're in a hole, but being down two one, you're not in panic mode yet. I don't think you get into panic mode until you get down two games at this particular point since obviously Boston was able to split. I do think that, uh, you know, the Celtics were able to impose their will a bit yesterday, quite frankly. They're a little bit bigger. They've got a bit more size. And then, you know, it's Boston. It's one of the most heralded basketball cities that we have here in the United States of America, really in the world, if you want to take it a step further. And 
the momentum and the boost was indeed there from their home crowd, which is what you expect. But again, if Look, bro, not just well, real quick, not just basketball though, like sports, sports cities, right? absolutely, yeah, a- absolutely. And, and again, I think, like I said, they they impose their will more than I've seen them do in any portion of this series. Even when they had the hot f- uh, fourth quarter in Game One, a lot of that was they were hot. Teams get hot. Teams knock down three pointers, but you don't expect them to get hot like that again. Obviously, game two is pretty much all dubs. Third quarter was still all dubs, which is something that the Celtics need to figure out is how do they, you know, come out fast out of the halftime break because they haven't really been doing that so much yet. But but at the same token, I think, you know, yesterday they attacked, attacked, attacked with vigor and they got more and more confident the more they attacked. And so they didn't really let up. You know, you'll withstand your runs. Again, the Dubs just know how to come out of halftime breaks really well. They make good adjustments at the half. As long as you know that and you can withstand that, they never their confidence never seemed to waver um, in regards to just knowing, like, you know what? We're the bigger team. We're the more sizable team. And we are going to just attack constantly and make them have to do something about it. And obviously not much was done about it. Your your enforcer, if you will, for the Golden State Warriors is Draymond Green, who had a terrible game, terrible performance yesterday. Um, and I think he'll pick it up. He's a champion. He knows how to adjust. But I do want to know, Spencer, what are your thoughts on these players when they have these bad games, if you will, they have these bad outings, and – they just go to their hotel rooms or they go home and they just record a podcast as if they didn't just have a terrible performance. <laughs> and then like shit talking other players that they're actively engaged in like a battle with. Yeah. I think it's pretty funny. I like it. I like it. <laughs> it's meta. It's meta as hell, bro. Because, <laughs> look, it, it's, it's funny to me because I can imagine Draymond, but let me start off with the basketball real quick. I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Go for it. Draymond was Draymond was getting burned time and again by Jalen Brown. I think Jalen Brown, if if I, if I was watching tape today of the way that I was cooking that man last night, I'd feel very confident going forward. Especially in, and I thought you nailed it. Just the attacking downhill, attacking key. What you what you would in your mind think key defensive players for that Golden State roster? I gotta stop you. I gotta stop you. I gotta stop you. I gotta stop you because I disagree a little bit on that. And that is Jalen Brown had a very strong first half, and you know because you and I had a conversation about this prior to the game, where I felt a ga- a great adjustment that was made in Game Two <clears throat> was the fact that Draymond started on Jalen Brown. Draymond did not start on Jalen Brown yesterday, and Jalen Brown erupted to start the game. Draymond guarded Jalen Brown more so in the second half. Jalen Brown was a little quiet in the second half. Jason Tatum picked it up and got into attack mode, but I felt like a part of why the Celtics were able to take that big lead, I don't understand why the Warriors didn't start game three the way that they started game two, having Draymond start on a player like Jalen Brown. I didn't quite get that one. I think 
Clay got some minutes on him, um, but but they didn't start him on Jalen Brown. And I thought that was interesting because it was something I obviously was looking out for because, to me, that was the key to the game, a key to the game at least. And I think that was a Kurt issue there a little bit. Well, we, we've had our conversations about Steve Kerr. I, I think Steve Kerr's ability as a coach is, is you know, he, he gets a lot of his credit from the fact that he's got one of the greatest rosters of all time that he's worked with essentially the entire time. And that that's no matter. I, and and I, I feel what you're saying. I feel what you're saying. Listen, I'm not I'm not talking shit on Draymond Green's defensive prowess. He's one of the best to, that's ever done it. But let's talk about the the mental defensiveness of, of, of Draymond Green. Bro, it's so wild to get on a podcast after your play, a, a NBA finals game and start airing out like what was said, what was done, how you feel. It's insane behavior to me in, in all the right ways. Because first off, Draymond Green is not being regulated in his, in his hotel room on like the number one sports podcast in the game. So he can say whatever he wants. I'm sure that if you had to ask a guy like a Steve Kerr or the Mike Browns and the, on the coaching staff and the like, they'd be like, Hey, do you like Draymond talking about the game that we just played? And they'll hell no. Yeah. Of course they don't want that. Of course they don't want that, bro. But you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You can't do nothing about it. And That's right. To me is the funniest part because this new media is just coming in to the scene and just blasting the doors down. I'm I'm all for it here. I'm all for it. I want to hear more because that's the stuff that you miss when you're watching the NBA Finals. You, gotta, you have to understand, a lot of people watch the NBA Finals just by the virtue of the fact that it's the championship round, but they're not basketball fans. And so, but, but when you get to that level of, of the competition, that's really what we're talking about. We're talking about X's and O's. We're talking about schemes. We're talking about rotations. But the average sort of casual, quote-unquote, NBA fan who's watching the finals for the only time of the year he watches basketball, that's not what he cares about. He cares about the in-between. He cares about what was said. He cares about the, the drama. Yeah. The matchups. And that's what the podcast space and, and what Draymond does, is that's what they're given. Yeah, it's amplifying the drama for sure. It's amplifying the drama. That's a great way to say it. And that's exactly what the league needs it's if, it, if it's going to keep expanding its fan base and if it's going to keep growing its product. If, as much as they, whether they like it or not, that's what that's what they're going to need. Like, yeah. J.J. Redick and C.J. McCollum, you know, come in and, 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 and tag team, whoop up on Stephen A. Smith. The NBA and, and ESPN affiliates may not like the way that it looks, but that's what they want. You know yeah, I, mean? I, I think it's a narrative thing. I think it's an unusual narrative. And I think, you know, change is usually uncomfortable. Change is usually something that, you know, makes you think twice at minimum. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I think, like, 
what Draymond is doing, we just have never seen before, especially when you just speak to the dynamics of players in the media and what that's meant. And, you know, like this to me goes totally against the grain of media training, which is something that is not only common for basketball players, but just common for entertainers at large and kind of the media training days because you were trying to protect yourself from the media has flipped on his head to the point where now we're just becoming the media. And what are you going to do about that? And now we can, we can, whatever narrative it is that we want to put out there, which usually is a legit one because the narrative that we speak of is, is based on us being the subject as basketball players, obviously, in this case, guys playing in the NBA Finals, we are the subject because we're the ones on the floor playing. So we see things different than folks who just aren't on the floor playing can. Now, is there a flip side to that where there are folks who, are, who aren't playing can see things a little bit more objectively than the guys that are playing? Absolutely, that's the case. And that's why I've always said in these conversations, there's room for both. There's room for there's room for the objective media who can watch the game and see exactly what's going on without having to be swayed to one side or another because they're at, they're not an actual participant in the game. But then there are participants in the game that understand the ebbs and flows of the game because they're playing in it. So I think it's so great to have the dynamic of the uh, traditional media, if you will, as well as the new media, as Draymond Green would refer it to, and just really kind of having the best of both worlds as a fan, as a consumer, and in an era where a lot of this stuff is digital and a lot of this stuff comes down to algorithms, it's great because whatever your particular algorithms are, you can get what it is that you want. If you want to get the old-fashioned, traditional newspaper columnist, radio host input on the game, you can still do that. But if that style of media is just dated for you or if you just have a distaste for that style of media because of some of the deficiencies that it has had historically, you can get this new media of Draymond Green and be able to, 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 to indulge and to be able to consume this media about the same subject the way that you wanted to. As a consumer, that's great to me. No, and I 100% agree. It's like, if you, I, and I always say this, I'm always beating this drum. It's like, you know, if you had the choice between, especially coverage like this, between a guy that's actually physically in the games each night and some dude who's sitting up in the, in the, in the boxes, in the, in the stadium, you know what I'm saying? Trying to watch the game through a pair of binoculars. I'm taking the guy that's on the ground. I want boots on the ground on this one. But, you know, in, in terms of the, the criticisms for what a, a Draymond, you know, is doing if you were going to add any criticisms is that you know they say okay well he's not regulated you know what i'm saying like you mentioned he's not following the these these media training rules and sort of guidelines that you know most pundits and most affiliations sort of all have to live by there's a structure or a framework right on how you conduct yourself and the way that you disseminate information and and things of that nature that the that that traditional media People will follow. But the reason why these cats ain't following is because they ain't got no media training, Devon. And you, the question to you is, is like, where 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 do the problem where does the problem lie in that, if any? 
if any? Like, where what could you see any any issues? I don't think I, I think the problem lies in the people that can't adapt to that because a part of the reason why media training looks different today is because media and the way it's produced, the way it's consumed, all of those things look different today. So it, it, it's more of a situation is the problem is for the people that can't adapt. Or if you're one of those people that can't adapt and just stick to what it is that you know, that is okay for you to do. I don't have a problem with that. I, I listen, I come from radio. So I I'm a podcaster and I also worked in radio. I don't wish I don't wish death upon radio. Like obviously, like I tell people all the time, being a sports radio host was the funnest job I've ever had in my life. <laughs> like if I could be a radio host for the rest of my life, business and all the other things aside, like I would indeed do that. So I don't wish ill intent on radio, but I also understand podcasting, if you will, is a different space. It's a newer space and it allows for different things to take place. And it's only growing. And the reason why it's only growing is for some of the reasons that I said, it allows you as a consumer. And when we look at the way things operate from an algorithmic standpoint, podcast allows you to build and create your own algorithms in a way that radio just cannot because a radio company is going to have a sports station is going to have three or four different music genres is going to have a news station and that's it well podcasting has so many more genres that you can dive into that usually radio doesn't so for me it's like i think again it's room for both spaces to exist and it's room for people to be able to kind of tap in and navigate through both of those spaces. To me, it's a fun journey to be able to do so, to be able to know the history of where the media has come from, but also to be able to look forward to the what the media is becoming. For me, as somebody that's just a media junkie and obviously works in this space for a living, I love both aspects of it. I love to be a historian when it comes to it, but I also love to see where this thing is going and where history is ultimately going to lead us. So I, I, I think the problem is not accepting either because I also don't like the fact that the new media, if I had to have a criticism of the new media, if you will, I don't like the new media, which obviously in, in, in the NBA is pretty much looking like basketball players or NBA players that are becoming analysts or that are active in the NBA right now. I don't necessarily want them to quiet down the fan and the fan passion and the fan commentary or just the traditional media commentary either. Like I'm not necessarily a fan of that. I don't like people saying that people can't talk and express how they feel about a sport, especially a sport that all of us are investing in, whether it's by way of watching it on TV and getting the ratings up and, and and obviously that leads to, to more lucrative deals and partnerships, broadcast deals, so on and so forth. Or if we're actually buying tickets and going to the game to support the sport. I think those people should have a voice too. And one thing that I think is a little concerning about the new media is the new media is too quick to try and shut that voice down. And I don't necessarily like that. I want the fans to be able to be passionate and speak about something that they have an investment in, no matter how big or small. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's funny because, you know, the, the, like I say, the framework of, you know, talking on TV or, or, or writing a column or, or being a media pundit, especially as it pertains to sports, you're exactly right. It's, 
it's coming from a fan perspective and there's rules that you have to follow. The reason why people have, you know, like the, the common man, the consumer has criticized media over the years is because, you know, they, they bastardize and control the narrative instead of being, you know, a subservient to the story. They try to get on top of it, control the narrative and disseminate and, 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 and change people's perceptions, put out information. Yeah. But that's the problem with the, the basketball player guys. And, and you absolutely nailed it is that they don't have these rules and they don't have this ethics that they have to follow. And they have been criticized in their own way about, you know, just being played. I mean, we know, we know, we know the target on the back of, of any, you know, outspoken or otherwise NBA player, NFL player. We put way too much pressure on these guys sociopolitically to comment on things that they are certainly not qualified for, you know? Well, it depends. It depends. Well, I mean, sure, it depends. They shouldn't. But I'm talking about on paper. Like, like, like on paper, it's like you're a basketball player. You're not a, 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 a social political scientist or whatever, but. Well, right. I hear you. I get you. It's levels. It's levels for sure. I get you. For sure. And it makes sense that the response would be like, all right, well, you're asking me to speak so much. Well, why don't I just control the? Why don't I, I don't I make my own space, you know, via podcasting to, to be able to say the things that people seemingly want me to say and speak on these things anyway. But like I said, without being checked or without having the sense of ethics, they are very quickly just being like, no, no, no. I'm going to shut down everything that you have to say. Yeah. I don't like that. They yeah, don't have any experience in, and it's right. Like, well, dude, there's only been like five thousand human beings on the on the, ever in history that have been in the NBA. Period. Like, you know, what I'm saying you're not you're not really opening up for much of a conversation if that's the parameters that you're setting. Yeah, to allow people to speak on that stuff. Absolutely, I feel like I feel like you're limiting. I again, I understand why it's happening. I understand that it's more of a pushback against. Again, a, a, a traditional media that has been flawed and that has done a lot of things the wrong way, quite frankly, just if we're being real. So I understand the pushback when the pushback is deserved, if you will. But one thing I'll give Draymond Green credit for, you recall after the last game he had the quote or whatever about the offense, how the offense, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but basically saying the offense has always started with Steph Curry even when KD was here. And he he said that, I think, after the game two post-game press conference, if you will. And obviously that short clip because he mentioned KD and how the offense went through Steph rather than KD went super viral because it was clickbait, if you will. But the the particular journalist who I, I don't recall, I don't remember his name, but the particular journalist who asked the question made sure to give context context to what the question was and why Draymond Green said what he said and mentioned KD because the question was framed with KD being used in a particular question. And in a follow-up press conference after that, Draymond Green made sure to acknowledge that particular journalist and tell him, like, right on for doing that and giving that full context because 
you were the one who asked the question, and people tried to make it seem like I don't have anything better to do than to bring up KD while I'm playing in the NBA Finals right now. So to Draymond Green's credit, that is one of the moments where I felt like him being a part of this new media that he's damn near leading the charge on. I would really say LeBron is more so leading the charge on that, if you will, but Draymond Green ain't too far behind, and obviously he and LeBron are connected. He's a part of Spring Hill. He's invested in Spring Hill with LeBron, and like he, he he's he's in it <laughs> in a real way. But I, again, I just think, generally speaking, the new media, if you will, has to be cognizant of not allowing people to have a voice. You can push back all you want to. You can push back. You can call BS on whatever it is that needs to be called BS on. I'm okay with that. But I'm also okay with a fan or or a journalist who just so happened to never play in the NBA to have a stance, to have a take, and to have an opinion because – this is this is what allows the game to grow ultimately. This is what allows us to be invested on a lot of different fronts. This is what allows us to be more informed on the game in a plethora of ways than just that of the player who played in the game who probably, again, has a bias and, as I mentioned last week, probably abides by some type of a code, if you will, that – won't allow them to be able to maybe go as far as they would if they never played in the NBA, but sometimes we need to go that distance. Yeah, well, I mean, look, there's a Hippocratic Oath for journalism, and then there's a whole different fraternal set of of, of codes of conduct that comes with being in that brotherhood of the NBA. Yeah. You know? Right. And so, and that's where, and again, it's very dicey, but I want to go back to what you were talking about saying, you know, how, how it could be an issue going forward. And in that old media, which is such a weird way, old media versus new media. That's what we're doing here. Yeah. I mean, Draymond literally calls what NBA players are doing right now. He's called themselves the new media. So here we are. (laughs) Here we are. I can't make this up. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't write it. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, but I'm saying, like, exactly, not resisting change, but also, like, it's important to have a mixture of those people. Absolutely. On 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 broadcast, you know what I'm saying, on podiums, things like that, because you know, I'm seeing that, especially, obviously, ESPN, you know, they're like, oh, we're finding success with these NBA guys because they're compelling. And like you said, it's clickbaity to where they're going to give you sound bites galore that are going to get people driving to your sites and driving to your videos and your content. So they're going to they're going to rock with that. But I think it's I think it's slowing the the you know the conversation around the game a little bit because we sat here for the last you know twenty minutes talking about Draymond Green podcasting <laughs> when. The NBA fight. We're in the middle of the NBA finals. But see, but see, I'm okay with that. And, and the reason I'm okay with that, from I'm just a hoophead. I'm just a hoophead. So like, for sure. You know what I mean? But, but I, I, I am okay with that too because I'm also a media junkie. Well, well, here's the thing. The reason why I'm okay with it is because, quite frankly, this 
although we have the ability to talk about and analyze the game, and we are indeed hoop heads, this ain't the platform that I usually do that on anyway. This is the platform that I talk about sort of things surrounding the game or intersecting with the game. If if I want to get in my analyst bag, catch me at the Viking Pavilion and watch me on ESPN+. Plus. And and so I, that's what I love about this particular platform is, yeah, the NBA Finals is going on, and yeah, we can talk about – there's plenty of people talking about the X's and O's and, and who they think is better and why or why not and so on and so forth. We're going to talk about the podcast space. You know why? Because we podcast too. And, again, if you want to try to pull our card for doing so, well, yeah, we call college basketball games. Yeah, I'm an analyst as well at the at the Division One college level. Yeah, and I got a little bit of a player resume too, so we can go there when necessary. But it don't have to be about that here on this particular platform, and that's what I appreciate about this platform too. By the way, yeah, no, I feel you too. Like, like I say, you know, a lot of people, man, they don't have the, you know, they don't stretch themselves in terms of trying to have a bunch of different avenues to, to, to talk different conversations. Absolutely. Explex different creative muscles. So, so, you know, we, we've actively tried to put ourselves in that, in our, in those positions for ourselves in order to have those outlets. And I think it's important. And I think it's important, especially now being that these NBA players have a voice the way that they have, and they are able to control their own narratives in the way that they are in comparison to the past. It's like, we have to have a little bit more range when talking about these subject matters because these players are 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 creating more avenues to be able to talk about it. And I was watching uh I was watching the Breakfast Club the other day, and to me, the 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 best sports podcast out right now is the Pivot Podcast. And Ryan Clark, who who's on ESPN as well, um, was talking to Charlemagne and he was just sort of talking about, you know, the fact that when he's on ESPN, if you will, like there's conversations that he wants to have about real legitimate social issues, if you will, that the producers can just say, we're not going to Ryan Clark for that. And Ryan Clark was like, I want to be able to have a voice on said issues. So how do I do that? I create a podcast where where I can't take it on ESPN, I can take it on my podcast. And to me like it, it hit home for me because I was I feel like I was fortunate enough and now obviously we spitballing, but oh well, this is a podcast, this is what we do. I was fortunate I feel like to understand that coming in I needed to try to have as much range as possible. Because I've obviously had the conversations with people where they're like, well, what do you want to do in this space? Like, what is your ultimate goal? And this is the certain path to be able to get to said goal. But it's like, yes and no, because people are going to surpass me if what the traditional path was to get to said goal, to get to said goal was that goal isn't operating in the way that it once operated traditionally. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like, if I have to go from the smallest market to the next market to the next market, and I can't talk about politics, and I can't talk about the culture, and I can't talk about it, and I just need to stick to sports and stick to basketball so that I can get into these positions, ultimately later on, it's like, 
No, the conversations that are being had around sports no longer exist in that manner. And the players are the ones leading the charge, essentially, for those conversations to not exist the way that they used to. And so you have to be able to have the range to be able to kind of go where the players who are ultimately the product is leading the conversation to go. Because if you don't, it eventually will will it eventually will show. <laughs> and, and when it shows, you, you might not look so great in that particular moment. And I want to put myself in position to look great every possible chance that I get. You know what I'm saying? Like having the power to about any issue on a podcast is sometimes best utilized to not by not saying anything. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's why I'm like, Draymond, like, I bet you he's going to hear about it. He's probably going to hear it from the coaching staff, if not already, being like, hey, man, I understand you have a really popping podcast, but could you not until we get done with this series at least? I don't think that's going to happen. You know why? No, it ain't going to happen. But you, Someone's sure to say something to him. I don't think so. Not, not anybody within the organization. You know why? These dudes check their cell phones at halftime during these games. Who in the and obviously the the people that know that more than anybody is the people within the organization. If these dudes have the ability to check their phones and be on their phones at halftime, like I'm just trying to imagine as a player at any point, and I'm not that far removed from playing the game, I could go to halftime and be on my phone, checking my phone. It's a new day. They're not going to say anything to Draymond Green about anything because it is just a new day. And we're here now. I think we've officially arrived. There's obviously, you know, a transitional point to get to this stage. But I think now today I would be willing to bet nobody within the organization has anything to say about Draymond Green doing a podcast. They might not agree with it. But I don't think they're expressing that to him. I just don't think so. Well, well, I mean, I, I, a guy like me will never know unless they unless they want to tell people. But I know that if it was me, I'd be like, bro, do the podcast on something else. Like, stop giving up game. I mean, that'd be the only thing that I could think to be like, I. Right. I don't. And it is. It is but see, funny to me. but see, funny and, to me. and I'm speaking as somebody that, for the most part, I didn't hear his most recent podcast after last night's game. So let me start there. But I have been listening to a lot of his podcasts throughout the playoffs, and I don't think he gives up. And, and this again, go, going back to the new media ordeal, I don't think he really gives up that much game I think we're more so infatuated with the fact that he's doing it look at the discussion you and I are having right now and that's not me saying uh, Draymond Green isn't super gamed up but what I'm saying is as somebody who's listened to the podcast I don't think he said anything like super profound that none of us don't already see he's not really giving up strategy now what he will do is if Obviously, throughout the playoffs, there are other series going on. He'll speak about other teams' strategies. But when it comes to his own team, he's not saying 
anything that we clearly can't see as basketball fans and basketball consumers. He gets more into his bag in regards to other teams. In my opinion, just as somebody who's been listening, that's what I that's what I take from it. I, I just I just mean I just mean in the sense of like when you get to this level of of the of the competition and you're gonna play this team, you know, potentially seven times, it's like yeah, I, if it was me, I wouldn't be saying nothing about anything regarding the game at all because I don't want somebody. I mean, his podcast is mad accessible. If you don't think Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and then list don't listen, then you're tripping. Absolutely. It's like, you know what I'm saying? So it's like anything that you say can and will be used against you at a court of basketball. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, so that to me would be the only reason why I would have some trepidation about him going on the podcast, but. I mean, you're right. It is a new day. And, and like I said, like, it, it is going to be a lot of trial and error. And this may be one of those pivotal moments because I'll tell you what, like, Boston, it looks – Boston looks scary, man. Boston looks scary, bro. It's, yes, it's not a cakewalk. It's not a cakewalk. I'm worried if I'm Golden State. And I'm trying to, like th- – I'm trying to – I'm trying to maximize any any tools that I have to go out and beat them. If, that, if that's me. And, I, and it would it would not occur to me to get on a podcast that night and start airing out my feelings or or talking about what I think. It wouldn't occur to me at all in a, in, a, in a series like this. I would be try to be as locked in as I could. So so that's why to me it's a little funny. Definitely, definitely. No, I hear you again. And if you wherever you at, roll up your window, please. But um, but even with that, like you know, if I'm the Warriors. We also have to consider who it is that we're talking about. While, yes, Boston does look scary, and yes, they do look really good, the Warriors have, they at the end of the day, they do have pedigree. And if there's anybody that I wouldn't expect to panic after going down 2-1 and to change up the way that they've approached the game after going down 2-1, it's this Golden State Warriors team. Now, I will say this. If it was the other way around and Marcus Smart was doing a podcast, obviously he don't have the championship pedigree that Draymond Green does. I think my approach would be probably a little bit more similar to yours. That's that's not saying that makes my approach right per se, but I, I do believe that a team that's been here six times in the last eight years, I'm going to give them a little bit more leeway to just be who they are and do what it is that they do regardless of who the opponent is because I expect their experience in this particular place and space to be able to kick into gear where, hey, we go down 2-1, we can bounce back and win a game four. Now we're all tied 2-2 going back home. So, But if it was the Celtics on the other end, I might feel the same way that you feel in that regard. That's just me personally, though. And obviously some of my bias may come from me being a Warriors fan, but at the same token, that's just where we are now. Six out of the last eight times is pretty significant. <laughs> I mean, I just feel like that's I feel like that's that's not necessarily congruent with the whole 
you should be able to speak on what you want to speak on. If Mark, just because Marcus Smart hasn't been to a championship, don't mean that he can't get on a podcast. No, that's not me. That's that's not me telling Marcus Smart that he can't get on a podcast. But that's me saying that I'm going to, as as somebody that understands where the experience lies here here on both sides. I would love if Marcus Smart had a podcast. To to be quite honest with you, I'm speaking from the standpoint of competition, which I think is what you were referring to in Draymond's case, being that they're down two to one and that this Boston team looks scary from a standpoint of competition I have a little bit more faith in Draymond to be able to still be ultra competitive and still his team have a chance at winning a series right now while recording a podcast that may be a market smart that's never been here before that's what I'm saying I would love for both of them to have a podcast and to be able to talk and to be able to speak and so on and so forth I'm not trying to quiet Marcus smarts boy voice but from a competitive standpoint I'm a little bit more comfortable with Draymond having a podcast because I know he's been here before and I know he probably is able to navigate and balance doing both things more so than somebody that just hasn't been on this stage before. That's all I'm saying. Well, I, 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 maybe, maybe he'll, maybe he's listening and he'll start a podcast tomorrow. <laughs> I would love it. <laughs> I, would I would love it. I would listen to it. I would watch it. If Marcus Smart started a podcast tomorrow, I am all ears and eyes, if you will. Like, like I'm, I'm, I'm tuned in. But what I'm saying is, I do think there comes a point where I'm going to give Draymond earned being able to be at this particular point right now. And that's not saying Marcus Smart hasn't. What I'm saying is Marcus Smart has never been here before. So I probably would have a little bit of a different approach in an area where I haven't been here before in comparison to somebody that's been here six of the last eight years. There's a difference there. Right, right. But if but if Smart decided to 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 get a podcast launch tomorrow, oh baby, I'm all in. I'm all in, Smart. I am all in. <laughs> Look, I'm all in. I, I, I'm not. I think in in no time at all, we're definitely going to be something that'll be the new norm of the NBA. It'll be like, oh, did you see the game last night? You're like, nah, but I listened to. <laughs> To, right. Podcast, so. I, I mean, I'm all in. I'm all in for all of them having it, but we are still in a time a period where the way is still being paved. And I think Draymond is just more suited to pave that way right now. Uh, that's just how I see it. But if somebody else sees it differently, I don't care. <laughs> I, I don't mind. If they want to both have a podcast again, I'm all the way with it. But but ultimately, you know, obviously last week I came in here and I and obviously, you know, jokingly I was Ten dubs and five dubs, dubs and five. But I also acknowledge that, yeah, I know this series can go the distance. I know it can go six or seven games. And quite frankly, being down 2-1 doesn't necessarily have me in panic mode. Now we go down 3-1 tomorrow or tonight, if you will, because this podcast will be released on a Friday morning. Yeah, I'm concerned, but I think the Warriors can still go can still go steal one tonight. And then what do you know? Two of the last three games will end up being in or can end up being in San Francisco if necessary. So I like those odds still. I like those odds. Yeah, game seven in Golden State. Uh, I, I'm I'm always gonna bet on Steph Curry because he's Steph M F Curry. For sure. And honestly, at this point, dude, I wanna see seven. 
to be honest. Yeah, let's do it. It's been awesome. That's it's been great. <laughs> let's do it. It's been great. I mean, I'm a competitor first. I think that this has been the best series of already has been the best series in the playoffs. Has it? it, it I haven't thought about that yet, so I don't, I don't want to go off the deep end. And... No, man, I I think the drama, the drama, the, the naturally occurring drama from it, man, the way that Dray, I remember why, the way that Draymond Green has been just pulverizing Jason Tatum. There was that, that was, there, there's that, yeah, they're on the uh, that free throw, and the way yeah, it's just like. Elbow and Jason Tatum in the back of the head. Man, I love watching that guy play basketball so much. It's terrible, but it's so funny to me. Yeah, no, I hear you. Enter- entertainment entertainment value, I think it already has given me, my, myself personally, more than really any other series so far because dudes are hitting shots. You know what I'm saying? There's great ball movement on both ends. It's good defense, and there's crazy drama. I, I think it's just going to get better from here, and I can't wait to watch this game Friday night. Tonight, it's gonna be sick. I, I can't wait. I agree, man. I agree, man. It's definitely gonna be lit. Um, hard pivot here. Um, Deshaun Watson. We uh, got more news <laughs> that has come out about Deshaun Watson. More women coming out. Um, for those that don't know, he's had a plethora of women who um, have alleged sexual misconduct against him. Um, A lot of it was through like massage appointments and massage parlors. And I mean, there's a, there's a high number of women coming out. The New York times have come out with more information as of yesterday, um, where they said that Watson met at least 66 women for massages over a 17th much month period. Um, And then there's just a lot of things that, you know, there were some non-disclosure agreements included, but then there's also been a lot of other women that have come out and accused him of harassing or assaulting these women during these massage appointments. And, you know, this is a conversation, this is an area that I would say I personally have had to have a lot of growth in, especially when these allegations are against black men, just to be 100% real with you all. Um, If you've been a longtime listener of this podcast, you've heard about, I've talked about, and we've had her on discussions that I've had with my good friend, Jessica Luther. Um, Jessica Luther, a, a lot of her coverage is in regards to, like, rape and sport, um, sexual misconduct and sport um she also has a new york times selling book and it primarily is about this it's called unsportsmanlike conduct and it's about the the politics of college rape and football college football and rape and so you know i just think we're at a point now where something has to be done even if that something just simply means a leave of absence for Deshaun Watson, even if he's being paid. But until this thing gets like we see all the time and not to kind of have like an oppression Olympics here, if you will, but we see all the time when a cop kills a black man, a cop gets to go on administrative leave. And I think at minimum, 
the NFL can step in and put Deshaun Watson on administrative leave. To me, that's what feels like needs to happen in this moment. I don't know enough about all of this. Obviously, the more number of women that comes out and alleges these things against him, the worse it looks for him. But at the same time, you don't want it to be and feel enabled as it has to this particular point. He's got a $230 million contract since these accusations have come into play. And again, more work is being done by these journalists. More reports are coming out, obviously, most recently in the New York Times. And I think at this particular point in time right now, administrative leave, if you will, sounds like what needs to happen in this particular moment, because if indeed these allegations end up being proven and he is guilty of these allegations, it looks really, really bad on the NFL's behalf that they did absolutely nothing about it while these things were actively going on. Spencer, uh, I'm curious to hear what your thoughts on, on are on this situation. <laughs> well, <clears throat> um, you know, man, it seems like the NFL doesn't really care about women. Number one, to, uh, and you know, I feels also like I'm again. These are all just my opinions. If it looks like the NFL doesn't really care about women, it feels like, or at least domestic dispute, or I mean, domestic violence. Excuse me, it, it, or sexual vi- or sexual, or sexual. <laughs> misconduct, if you will. <laughs> If, if 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 I need to if I needed to be specific, there it was. It also feels like, you know, when uh, for for all the people that'll that that are, um, you know, they rail against things like be, you know believe all women and things of that. Like you know, what I'm saying the counterpoints to, you know, stuff like Jessica Luther covers in her book on sports and like conduct and 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 you know those opinions and those. Um, and those, uh, you know, ways of looking at and approaching these situations, but it really feels like to the people that say, oh, well, it's just a couple of people came out. They're probably trying to get money, blah, blah, blah. Maybe they're lying that when you add 68 new on top of what was already addressed in court allegations, it's like, that's, it really feels like people saying, oh, well. It's just a couple of women trying to get money off of a rich guy. It sort of feels like the, the the way that a guy potentially is able to abuse dozens and dozens of people over long periods of time because nobody is, is advocating for women that are in these situations, that are victims of these situations, and feel like they don't have a voice in getting these things addressed. Yeah. In, in in regards to Deshaun Watson, I can't speak on the black man thing. As we all well know, I'm I'm very white. Um, but uh, I just feel like, coupled with those two things that I just said, he's probably going to get administrative leave and he's likely going to get paid and, and it's all going to be good. But in my opinion, it's like, bro, you shouldn't have the money. You, I, you shouldn't have the money. I, I agree. Because you made all this money, like, like, victimizing abusing people potentially allegedly obviously let's use it but i mean let's keep it real bro it's like fool me once fool me twice fool me 68 times just saying i agree i hear you what ultimately ultimately the reason why the reason why i i i i say 
that at minimum to put him on maybe like administrative leave. The only reason why I say that is because I still do not hold the NFL to the standard of that of the law. And I think the law ultimately should determine. I feel like once we find out, once we have a verdict, if you will, then we decide whether or not he's going to be in the league, he can participate in the league, or even should get paid, so on and so forth. But clearly, the NFL hasn't done absolutely anything yet to this point. Right. So, right. It's like, while that's getting sorted out. While that's getting sorted out, because it seems like that's what you're waiting for to get sorted out, and if that's the case, okay, cool. I might not necessarily agree with it, but cool, I can live with it. But not doing anything and allowing him to continue to be as front-facing as he is as a quarterback, the least you could do is say, look, man, you can still get your money until we get a verdict, but we're not going to have you be in the face of our product, which as one of the 30 quarterbacks in the NFL, obviously a starting quarterback in his case, like we're just not going to put you on any platforms of ours or any platforms that we partner with as Mr. Deshaun Watson, the starting cornerback with a $230 million contract of the Cleveland Browns, which essentially anybody getting that amount of money, you expect to be very front-facing. And he's just not necessarily that dude. So that's my whole thing is, like, I agree with you. I don't think he should get paid either from, like, my own standpoint, if you will. But at the same time, just trying to look at it from the lens of the league and what they could do if indeed they are not trying to put themselves in a murky situation where they have to react as if they are the law and they aren't the law. I think putting somebody on at on administrative leave and still being able to compensate them until we come to a verdict, until the law makes a decision on what actually this ultimately is going to turn out to and become, I can at least live with that than them just not doing anything at all and allowing him to continue to be front-facing and, and essentially enabling it in that way. To me, that's a little bit more excessive than just saying, you know what, sit down. We don't. We're not going to put you on or broadcast you in any way, shape, or form. But you can still get paid because what if, what if it does all end up coming out and he's not punished by the law? How is that going to make the league look? You know what I'm saying? Like the league, y'all did all of this. Y'all didn't pay the man. Y'all didn't do this. We already know. We already know y'all got racial discrepancies anyway. So how does it look that? oh, Deshaun Watson ended up being not guilty, if you will, and I'm just saying this in hypothetical terms, of course, but the league was more punishable against him than the actual law was. That could be murky territory for the NFL. No, I I understand that. I'm not going to sit here and try to, like, you know, be understanding for a giant corporate conglomerate like the NFL and try to be like, oh, well, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm definitely not going to do that. But I'm also not going to sit here and go, well, they're just too big of an they're just too big of an enterprise to expect to change, because you know that to me that's bullshit, man. Like, and, and I'd love to know more details about you know these incidents that occurred where this guy is being in these situations these massage situations, physical therapy situations, whatever, where these, where these, where these allegations are coming from. If I'm the NFL, 
I'm a, I'm the, you know, coaching staff of any NFL team. If I'm the agent of any $230 million guy, like I'm going, bro, what are you doing? Getting all these massages. You feel me? I'm going, what are you doing? Like, like why are we deal? Why are we taking care of this stuff for our $230 million guy? If you got already situation after situation, that's that something's happening. Why aren't people who are invested in this guy or who are namely doing the investing? How are they not on top of his, his, his massage physical therapy regimen enough to hear you to, you know, potentially check these situations, check Deshaun Watson trying to teach us to, because clearly there is like a, a, there is an issue in the culture of sport that allows this type of behavior. And so for me, I'm just looking at the people who have, who are putting the money down. It's like, bro, I mean, without, without taking autonomy away from a Deshaun Watson, he's his own man. He needs to make his own decisions and, 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 and do the right thing by his own standards of man. But it's like, NFL coaching stats agents, it's like, this is your investment too, man. How is this situation occurring over and over again? Yeah, for sure. That's what's perplexing to me. Yeah. So that's why to me, it's like, if that's how many hands these situations pass through to where nothing is being solved and and these things are just being thrown by the wayside until major, you know, uh, lawsuits and allegations, uh, you know, come out then I think that the money needs to be put down by a lot of people. And yeah, so, I hear you. And so, so that's where I stand on, on that because, because you're right, we're in, a, we're in a precarious situation now because we don't know what's going to happen with these proceedings. Yeah, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. So We think we know, but, but we just don't. But it's really just a damn shame that another, you know, another situation, like that these situations just continue to occur and, and that and that and that, you know, becomes part and parcel of, you know, the definition of what to expect from an NFL star or 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 a sports star in this country. And I think that that's just very it's just very shameful. Yeah. In you know, this country has just gotten to a point where a lot of things, you know, like there's been a lot of little issues that we've had as a country that, you know, have have gone from minor nuisances or relative inconveniences to true shames and 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 they just should not be attached to you know the way that that we do things i think and so i I really hope that something comes out something good comes out of this situation yeah yeah yeah. for sure for sure absolutely well i think that's a good spot to end it off at spence thanks for joining although you are not here we appreciate you for sacrificing yourself and your body in this particular moment and time that doesn't allow you to be here live in the flesh, but appreciate you. I got the vid and I had to get in the car. It helps me think I've been cooped up. If anybody's listening, you can follow me, Spliff Van Gundy, or on Instagram, at Play for Par. You can get mad at me for keeping the window down and get mad at me. <laughs> oh, God. Like, Just tell on yourself, why don't you? <laughs> <laughs> We'll create a safe space for for the next 24 hours. If anyone wants to air out their grievances, <laughs> long as you ain't around me, man, you stay where you at. The car, the house, just stay the hell away from me. <laughs> On that note, we're going to leave y'all the only way that we know how, and that is to stay woke and go win. <laughs> <laughs>